Hi everyone, it's Jenny and Lorraine with Hello. this. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely exhausted. Likewise. <laughs> so we are recording this the week, um, yeah, just, just a few days after we got back from the autism show on the back of launching the new website and it's been pretty non-stop, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been hectic. Yeah, to say the least. And then I'm particularly exhausted because Lorraine jumped on me in the night when we were in Birmingham, didn't you? Yeah, you shouldn't tell people about my sleepwalking. I'm so embarrassed. But do you know what? Joe did it to me last night. Really? So must be genetic. Uh, it must be. Yeah, it did pretty much the same. Yeah, it's got to be a genetic thing. Yeah, well, she scared the bejesus out of me, I can tell you that, because <laughs> we always share a room when we go away at the shows. And, uh, and we've been doing it for years, and you've never, ever done this. And then no. two in the morning. I think it, yeah, I think it's, it's usually when I'm overtired and because we've put so much work into the website before we went away, yeah. usually we have a couple of days downtime, don't we, before we get there because Absolutely. we know we're going to be busy and we have some downtime afterwards and this, this year we've just had none of that. No, none at all. Um, I can look back and laugh now. At the time I was petrified and exhausted <laughs> on the Saturday, but hey-ho, it was fun. Yeah. But we had a really good time, didn't we? Oh, it's been absolutely amazing meeting the ambassadors, the customers, people that I've become friends with online that I've yeah. never met in real life. Oh, it's, yeah, just completely amazing. Yeah, it really was. And um, yeah, just amazing people. Amazing weekend. Um, lots of contacts, lots of fun, lots of laughs. And then we stayed an extra night on the Saturday and on the Sunday we had some of the ambassadors there and recorded some videos which will be coming out um, maybe late summer. So that's all exciting. That was an amazing day, the Sunday, I have to say. It yeah. makes me feel very emotional. I've been looking at some of the pictures that yeah. um, Jaden had taken and Casper and just looking at the gang all together, enjoying themselves. It's, because these are people that aren't social. Yes. But I've never seen anybody so social. I know. It's actually making me want to cry now. It was amazing. I know. And, and yeah. just the difference in them since, you know, being part of the community is, is, is huge. Yeah. I mean, that, that day is going to stay with me for life yeah it was an yeah. awesome day um so yeah so this week we're chatting away sorry this <laughs> sorry. week we have got uh luke murphy who is quite an inspiration uh he's in a wheelchair but he doesn't let it stop him and he plays wheelchair football so there's loads of great info in it so we'll let you have a listen to that and we will be back we love a net, we love a chat, we love to help and that's a fact. So we have made it our mission to find stuff out. From diagnosis and education, slimming out of your frustration. Chat to folks who've been there too, collect it together and share it with you. If you know someone we should speak to, send them our way and that's what we'll do. We like to have our sensory natters. You know what? Hi everyone, it's Jenny here, back again um, for another Sensory Matters show, and today I have Luke Murphy. Hi Luke, how are you? I'm alright, thanks. Good. Now Luke is from Glasgow, and he's got an interesting story because he plays wheelchair football, um, which sounds fascinating to me, want to learn more about that, and he also has ADHD. Um, now, you've not always been in a wheelchair, have you? No, it's um, only been a recent thing in the past couple of years. So how did that come about? Um, I have a condition called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, okay. It's a connective tissue disorder. It basically means that my body's glue doesn't function properly. And one of the big symptoms I have of it is um, daily dislocations of all my joints. Ooh, is, is that sore? 
uh, yeah, I, chronic pain is another factor to it. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, like one of the, between the dislocations and the pain is a reason that a lot of people use chairs for this condition. Okay. But not, not everyone does though. Okay. So what was life like before the chair? Was this something that developed slowly or were you like this as a baby? Um, it's a genetic condition, so I was born with it, but um, it didn't affect me till I was 18. Wow. Um, that's when um, I, I'm transgender and I transitioned and the change in hormones triggered the condition, so to speak. And, okay. um, and it caused um, the start of what was a rapidly downhill sort of health-wise for me. So um, at the time I was walking and I was very active and everything had done sports and outdoorsy army cadets the lot. Wow. And then suddenly at 18, it was a case of I, I couldn't walk it anymore unaided. Um, all my joints were coming out of place and particularly my knees is what it started with. My goodness, that that must have been... So did you did you know as a, as a child that you had it or did that then just... Uh, you know, if other people in your family got it, and did you know this was in the post and on its way, or did you think you no. might have escaped it? No, we didn't. Um, we didn't know it was in our family. My brother has hypermobility syndrome. Okay. So um, they're both they're connected. They're similar conditions. Right. So we knew James had it, um, but he's my half brother, and we weren't aware that my mum was actually the carrier of the gene for it. So wow. Just, so that's how. I've ended up with EDS and he's got the hypermobility syndrome. So we didn't we didn't know what was going to happen and we didn't even know it, it ran in our family at that point or both sides of my family. My and, goodness. Know. So that, that must have been like a massive shock. Yeah. Um, uh, especially at kind of age 18 when, you know, you're just, you, you've gone through all the teenage hormonal things and you're starting to kind of plan your adult life and then boom, everything changes. What yeah. was that like? It was hard. Um, at the time I was at college, I wanted to um, be a chef. Mm. And I lasted six weeks of my course before being told I needed to leave for medical grounds because I dislocated my shoulder, um, deboning a chicken, of all things. My God. And, um, so I was asked to leave college. And then after that, I looked at other options, but that's when my health was deteriorating pretty rapidly um, at that point. So it was, it was just a case of learn to live with it um, then then onwards really wow my goodness um wow i just i just can't even get begin to get my head around how you would manage that um in terms of your own mental health and everything uh, how did you manage it it was it was difficult um i it helped a lot um online Getting being able to talk to others, um, online support groups have been fantastic. Um, Instagram actually was my biggest help at the time. Okay. Because, um, I started Instagram to like document the journey of my health. Yeah. And um, and it was really interesting because I met a lot of people at the time that had were going through the diagnosis. Because when I was first getting the symptoms of EDS, is when it was becoming more a more prominent condition. Um, more awareness was coming up of it. There was more. So doctors would be realising a bit more about it, mm -hmm. uh, which made it so much easier yeah. uh, to get the diagnosis. So look at, looking back, were there signs that you had this that you just put down to, you know, just general knocks and bumps in childhood? Definitely. Um, I was very clumsy. Um, right. Trip over thin air. I tripped over thin air and broke my hand as a child. And um, um, I was so clumsy. This was one of my problems. I was also very flexible. Okay. Um, double jointed, it, it, like being double jointed, is like one of the sort of um, sort of symptoms of EDS. 
and stuff. So it was, yeah, it was quite like I had the symptoms, but not like majorly um, obvious that I had it. And although I had any problems from the age of 13, it wasn't put down to the fact I was hypermobile. Right. Um, in fact, many caps were dislocating. It was put down to the fact that they were in the wrong place at the time I was born with them too high up. Yeah. So then it wasn't until my shoulders started dislocating and I saw a physio who was finally like, nobody's put two and two together. Yeah. And come up with the answer. Wow. So do you, do you now, are you now like 100% wheelchair bound or, yeah, yeah. so you never I get up and walk or? Can't wait bear at all. Right. And so I'm hoisted for transfers now as well. Um, okay. But that's only been since December. Okay. So it's been quite a, a scary downhill since December yeah. as well. But you still manage to um, play sports. Yeah. So you, you're in this football team along with um, other wheelchair users. And I can't quite get my head around how you play football in a wheelchair. So how, <laughs> do, how does that work? Um, some people play in our day chairs. Some people have custom-built sports chairs. Um, what it is, is on the bottom of my chair, I've got a bar. And on that bar, there's two little hooks. And then I've got what's called a bumper. So it slides on and my feet sit inside it. And okay. then that's attached to the chair and that goes, it's basically like a half circle around the front of your chair Got you. and you start to hit the ball with, but the ball's just a bit bigger. Ah, <laughs> okay. The one that you would consider for um, able-bodied football. Yeah. And you enjoy it? Love it. It's a great sport. And do you think that helps keep you sane? Oh, definitely. Um, it actually helped my confidence a lot before I started football. I hated my chair. Yeah, um, but since doing football, I've, I've learned to accept it and not see it as a mobility aid, but as my freedom. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you think now? Have you got your head around everything now? Do you feel quite positive about the future? Yeah, definitely. I'm in a lot better place now than I was eighteen months ago, even. Um, so it's really helped. Yeah, that's great. Amazing. So, what what's the dream within the football team? Where where are you in any leagues or? Yeah. Um, all the teams that are in Scotland play in the league. And um, so, like, I've been playing, but I recently moved teams, so I can't play the rest of this league. But hopefully the next one, which yeah. is start after the summer, um, is another year, hopefully, make it to the end of this one. Yeah. And what about um, then then kind of career and stuff? Because obviously you'd had your heart set on being a chef. What yeah. does that look like for you now, or have you not figured that out? Not quite worked that out. Um, okay. because every time we think we've got my health stable it goes downhill again so right. it's just at the moment it's going to be a case of working out where to go from here yeah um, but I've been doing that for a while just with everything going on both for my physical health and my mental health yeah it's been, um, it's been a hard journey over yeah but years so what's been the worst part of it what was your kind of lowest moment um I think my lowest moment was a couple of years ago when my health was deteriorating um quite rapidly and then I ended up in the chair. So about that period of maybe seven months, I I don't know how I made it through because I have other mental health issues um, as well. And I was off my medication, which I don't recommend anyone does without mm. medical guidance. Yeah. And um, I was I was at the hospital on a regular basis for mental health issues. I was under the mental health team. I did, to be fair, I'd been under them since the age of eight. Um, but. It was it was scary. Um, I had a lot of problems with anxiety, self harm, everything like that. Um, wow. So yeah, it was it was a hard it was a hard couple of months. Yeah. 
and adjusting to not not being able to be mobile independently yeah. anymore must have been a real challenge. So you said that you, you've had kind of mental health issues since you were eight. Yes. Yet at that point in your life, the wheelchair wasn't, you know, part of it and you didn't know you had the condition that you've got. So what what was causing that? Um, I had a lot of low mood depression from the age of eight. Um, mm-hmm. I also had a lot of sleep issues, so I wouldn't sleep. Um, okay. I would go three, four days without sleep and then crash and then wow. cycle again. Um, I had a lot of anxiety on top of it all. Um, they diagnosed me with ADHD at 14, just for my 15th birthday. Okay. And they said that um, when I was tested for that, they said I had um, OCD also. Okay. Because the way that the testing was done was you're meant to make mistakes in the test. But my attention age was the age of six and I had no mistakes in it. Okay. Um, but saying that there was um, OCD along with the ADHD, but you couldn't believe how it had gone undiagnosed for so many years, um, particularly for education in this country. Yeah. So I wonder, do you think, do you think looking back on it, the ADHD was, was at the core of the anxiety and because you, you maybe felt a bit different or yeah. do, do you think it's linked or not? I think it had somewhat of a link, um, that and the gender issues, I think, were my biggest issues at that age, um, because I'd moved back from, I'd, I'd been living abroad till I was eight, mm-hmm. and then we moved back here, and that's when a lot of issues were highlighted, um, so I think a lot of that had to do with it as well, obviously a big move, a big change, yeah, um, and everything, and just, I think it all happened at once. Where, where did you live? Switzerland. Oh, wow. Did you like it? It was amazing, yeah. Yeah, would you go back? I would if I wasn't in a chair. Uh, um, it's very, it's not very accessible. Right. Um, but yeah, no, I would, I would love to go back. So do you think this country's better in terms of accessibility? Yes. Than Switzerland? Um, it's a lot better. Um, it has its moments. Yeah. But, yeah, but that's no. good, because all you ever hear is that it's, it's not good enough in this country. So it's nice yeah. to hear that... It's better than somewhere. Yeah, and yeah. things are improving. Um, yeah. Slowly, but they're improving. So on that, what would you want to see change in terms of accessibility? Public transport. Okay. Thing. Um, even though we have laws protecting wheelchair users on buses, doesn't happen, doesn't get followed through. Um, For example? Well, buggies. Buggies just, it, people won't move for you. Right. Or, um, I've been asked to get off a bus for a buggy before. Really? Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not fun. First bus aren't the best. Okay. That's my local bus company, and they're renowned for that. But I know that they're trying to improve. Yeah, uh, the trains um are great for accessibility if they turn up with a ramp, but you have to book it twenty four hours in advance, so oh. you can spontaneous and no. go out one day. Um, so if they try to improve those a bit more, then it would make life a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, and that then just opens up the whole world, public transport, doesn't it? And yeah. I can't imagine not being able to access that without thinking, you know, and yeah. you, you have to kind of plan all that. Um, so the, the ADHD, tell me what that looked like for you. My, a lot of my issues were concentration problems. And um, so in school, I'd be the, never put me next to a window because I would just stare out the window. Yeah. I wasn't able to concentrate very well, although um, I was academically in line with my peers or ahead of them in some subjects, I found actually focusing on the work um, very problematic um, at times, just, just couldn't manage it. Um, yeah. 
and stuff and keeping up and things was really difficult um added in with the anxiety um I found just going to school was a nightmare um, I wouldn't go I'd, I'd hate to look at what my percentage of attendance was in fourth year of high school because mm-hmm. I was never there I think it was around the 30 percent wow just because between the anxiety and everything I just wouldn't leave the house yeah yeah so in terms of um the kind of classic ADHD symptoms or things things that people would kind of look for what would they be so there's the the lack of concentration what else the hyperactivity um <laughs> is another thing I was I think mine wasn't picked up on because I'm so active right burning myself out they say um one thing I read recently is it's about having a sensory diet, so to speak, if you've got ADHD and it's better than medication. So doing things that require you to burn energy, to think and everything, um, actually does help control it. Okay, so that's that's a good a good tip. So basically if you can channel your energy into something productive like sports or something like that then then it allows you when you do need to concentrate to be able to focus more because you've burnt off the energy, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah personally yeah and I guess it's different for everybody yeah um because I think there's ADHD is one of these things where there's a lot of misconceptions about how it looks yes um so what's what's the the funniest misconception you've ever heard about ADHD I I just I the biggest one you always hear is it's the naughty child syndrome yeah that your child's just naughty and it and then if they are, then they immediately get the label ADHD. Yes. When it's something different, it's, it's having a balance. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And do you do you feel you've got that side under control now? Yeah. Um, they told me that with ADHD, you would either grow out of it by the age of 18, if it was childhood, okay. or if you don't grow out of it by the age of 18, you've got it for life. Okay. And I still have symptoms, still on medication. Okay. I'm 23 now. Okay. So um, I've been told that it's going to be something that's going to affect me the rest of my life. But right. On the other hand, I've found since, for example, finding Chewy Gem, I, I get more starting to wean off my medication. And okay. it's working better because I've got other things like something to chew actually helps me focus right. if I'm trying to do a task, more so than being medicated and feeling numb all the time. Yeah. So is that how it feels when you're medicated? I, it makes me feel numb and like your head's in the cloud. I'll yeah. speak out. Um, I don't like that feeling. I've got en- and I've got enough other medications in my life at the moment that if I could come off that and have other ways to cope with what they call the sensory diet, it yeah. would be so much easier. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I'm glad Chewy Gem helps. That's awesome. Um, so what, what, do you mind me asking about the transgender side? Yeah, that's fine. So you you mentioned that the your, your kind of gender, I suppose, um, question uh, uh, arose when you were about eight. Yeah. So how did that how did that feel? What did that look like? What were you thinking at the time? I didn't fit in. Um, in Switzerland, I was like I was very much a tomboy. All my friends were the same. When I came back to Scotland, I found there was more. I thought gender norms were different. Okay. Um, like girls had to be girly by that age mm-hmm. and um, I just didn't feel right um, yeah I didn't know what transgender was at the time it took until the age of 16 to find okay. out what it was so another eight years yeah but that eight, those eight years of not knowing what's going on with your life is very difficult and when even when I 
find out what it was was again when it was only starting to come out in the media with my transsexual summer and mm-hmm. um, at the time that was out and that's what opened my eyes okay um, the fact that maybe I was I was transgender um although in school I had been out as being a lesbian um, right but I always had female partners um and stuff so it it was difficult in school with with that and being open about that um yeah but when I found when I realised about mm. my gender, um, I actually waited till I left school to come out because it was the thought of coming out in school at the time was just too scary. Yeah. What What was your biggest fear around that? Bullying. Yeah. Um, just bullying. Full stop. I'd been bullied all through school, and um, because of the fact I was out and because of my self harm, right? Um, I was bullied horrendously for high school. So I just didn't want to fuel the fire, so to speak. Yeah. See, it's it's sad, isn't it? Because you kind of think in this day and age that this sort of thing's just become so much more accepted, but clearly not always. And the no. kids kids are cruel anyway, aren't they? They can be yeah. cruel. And it's all about fitting in. So so when when did you um, come out to your family about it? Uh, when I was eight, two days from my 18th birthday. Okay. I came back to my mum. Um, I told her in the car because mm-hmm. she can't run away if she's in the car. <laughs> you don't have any options. Like the car's the best place to tell your parents anything. Yeah. They're doing something and you can't get away. Um, yeah. So it has to be said. Um, so I remember telling my mum on the M8 between Glasgow and Edinburgh because <laughs> um, my mum lived in Glasgow. My dad lived over in um, the, the east of Scotland. Right. So, yeah, she was taking me back to my dad's. And I remember um, telling her then, so it took them a couple of months to get their head around. Um, but so what was her immediate reaction in the car? It was it was supportive, but she said that she needed time, yeah. which is fair enough. It's, it's a big thing for your parents to get their head around, and she didn't know much about it either. Yeah. Um, but it was so. Then I'd obviously just turned eighteen, but I'd been going to the um, gender clinic for a couple of years. By that point, I was referred at sixteen, so I didn't need parental. Yeah. Ed- any sort of parental involvement, they didn't actually know I was going. Yeah. And then I, obviously when I came out to my mum, I told her. And then it was when I was 18 in the May that I started um, hormone replacement therapy. So that was five years ago in May. So, right. Yeah, it's been that long already. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a difficult one to tell them, but they've been really accepting since. Yeah, that's good. Um, and it, uh, have you just done hormone replacement therapy or have you done surgery or anything like that? Because of my mental health and then because of my physical health, we've not. I, I had a, an appointment down in Manchester to see the surgeon, but with my mental health, I was then declined. So I then my mental health was so bad for a couple of years um, that I didn't have the energy to fight it. Mm. And I've only just recently been referred back to her. So um, okay. I'm just waiting to see the surgeon, but we don't know if they'll even do the surgery because right. of ES because it's got skin issues. Yeah. So it's just it's now going to be a case of it's turned to the surgical team. Um, yeah. But we'll wait and see what they say. And how does that make you feel? Um, like I'm ready for it, and I've said that I'm mentally ready if there's complications like longer healing and stuff. Yeah. And I have had like knee surgery, and it's healed just a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. So. It's really just going to be down down to them, but I've got my fingers and everything crossed that they'll they'll go ahead with it. Yeah. So you want you want it. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you? Yeah. And is that what 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 do you think that will give you? Just that would be like the final piece mm-hmm. to like being who I am. 
Yeah. Um, that would just be like the final, the missing piece in the jigsaw, really, okay. so to speak. That's just really, that would be it. Yeah. Be my journey over for me. Yeah. And then you're who, who you're meant to be. Yeah. Which would, which is bound to have a positive effect on your mental health as well. Very much. So like transitioning was the best thing I did for my mental health. Really? That's great. So, and and do you, you, you mentioned, you know, at school you were, you came out as a lesbian, so you had relationships with other girls, women. Yeah. Um, and what about now? Do you have any relationships? I'm, I'm engaged now. Um, oh. To my partner. Um, so, yeah, we got engaged about seven weeks ago. Um, oh. It's been now, so, yeah. Um, but I, I now identify as um, pansexual, so gender doesn't bother me with somebody I've been relationships with people who identify as male or female but in all honesty like their gender wouldn't bother me and um, my partner's the same oh so. fantastic so so for for the people that have maybe not heard of pansexual before what does that mean explain it it's, to them pansexual is more you just go by the person it doesn't matter what their gender is or how they identify it's how you've feel about the person, not yeah. their gender, is the best explanation I can come up with. Okay. So it's, just, yeah, it's just pure love regardless of the outer packaging. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay. So is your partner male or female? Female. Female. Born female? Yeah. Very good. That's dead exciting, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's it's great. We've been yeah. almost a year now, so. Oh. And is she wheelchair bound? No, um, but she has EDS as well. Okay. Um, that's how we met, was through EDS and Instagram. And then we met face-to-face because we both live in the like, Glasgow area. So, um, yeah. That's no, very good. She uses crutches for long distance, though. So yeah. Just with walking and stuff, because her walking has gone downhill as well. Right, okay. Um, can I ask a really infantile question? Yeah. Which is, so I've always wondered, like, if, if, you're, if you're born a woman and you decide you want to transition to man or you're born boy and you want to transition to a woman and you go along to the surgery appointment, do you get to choose what your private part looks like, your new bit? So I, oh, you maybe don't know this yet. I honestly don't know. Okay, okay. Because <laughs> um, I, I just think from a woman's point of view, if I was going to go and choose my penis, I'd choose the biggest one and <laughs> and the best looking one. Or if you're a man, you'd choose like the best boobs, wouldn't you? I, I honestly don't know, but I know that you can get what's called um, if you're female to male packers. So they're like prosthetics. Okay. And um, you can choose what they look like. You can have custom made ones and everything. So yeah, you can get lots of different sort of ones that way but I, I don't know about surgery because I've never looked at, at bottom surgery it's yeah something for me yeah okay that's interesting so I, I just think you're utterly amazing what what a, an incredible journey you've been on and I know you've been through hell and back um sounds like you've had a really tough time with everything that's been thrown at you um but how, how do you stay positive how do you stay focused on living life I think it's it's been a difficult one because I used to be very focused on my health and the deteriorations and the like ups and the downs. But since I've come away from that and actually focused on what I'm doing with my life, it's helped a lot more. So um, I do a lot of activism work for LGBT rights um, with LGBT of Scotland. I do a lot of 
actors and stuff for disabled people with Glasgow Disability Alliance. Yeah. And, and having that to focus on is actually what keeps me going. Yeah. And looking to make a difference. And I've done stuff in the past that has made a difference with yeah. all this. So that's that's what I like to do. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And that's what I focus my time on and energy now on. Very good. So can you give me an example of something you've done that's made a difference? Um, I was on a youth commission many years ago and I was 14, 15 when I was on it. So 2009, 2010, and it was with Young Scott and the Scottish government. And we looked at the effects of alcohol on binge drinking, on everything like that, and compiled a report, took it back to the Scottish government for after a year's work. And they've changed the laws surrounding alcohol and the availability of it and um, the prices and all this sort of stuff. And it's benefited people and there's been more support put in place for people who need support um, like services and everything. Fantastic. That must feel great. Yeah, it was a huge achievement. And recently I've been working on a different youth commission, this one with LGBT Scotland, about housing and homelessness. Okay. Because one in four homeless young people are LGBT. And um, the stuff we've done with that has now started to change things and progress things so that it's actually making the government sit up a bit more and look yeah. a bit more seriously as well. Yeah. Fab. So is is that not something you would fancy career-wise? I have thought about it. My mum said she could always see me being a politician. <laughs> um, I've, I've always looked at maybe um, advocacy and mm-hmm. stuff like that because I know a lot about a lot of different subjects, a lot of different issues and everything. Um, so it has been something I have considered. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like it would be up your street, definitely. Um, so from, from the point of view for our viewers, if you were going to say to them, like, <clears throat> a takeaway message for your mental health that you practice, that you find beneficial, what would it be? It would be self-care. So think about yourself. Don't be ashamed that you need a little bit of extra help. Sorry, Meg Bed. <laughs> Who's Sorry, that? Who's Meg? My dog. Aww. And uh, she's got a bit of clipping nails on the hardwood floor. <laughs> um, yeah, so it would just be to to think about yourself sometimes and sometimes you've got to put yourself first above others and think about that. What stops you putting yourself first? I, I find it a lot of peer pressure. Okay. Um, of needing to keep up with others. Yeah. Um, be out, be able to do stuff, all that. Um, so actually, you know, stepping back and saying, no, I need, I need time to me um, or this isn't healthy for me. Yeah. Um, things like that. Yeah, that's useful. Okay, so that's for mental health. What about anyone else that is, is for whatever reason, facing going from being able-bodied to being wheelchair-bound? Any, was, any kind of takeaway message on how they can get their head around that? It would be, like, don't see it as a, your barrier. It's your freedom. Um, if you like, If I didn't have my chair, I would be bed-bound. So... The chair gives me a quality of life, yeah. and it's remembering that it's not—it's not this barrier that stops you doing stuff. It's—it's it's your freedom that gets you out there and doing the things, and it's not your fault that things aren't maybe accessible and stuff. It's not—that's nothing to do with you. That's to do with society, really. Yeah. yeah. And have you? Did you? Did you notice going from being able-bodied to being into a chair that did anyone treat you differently or look at you differently? Did you, or did you not notice that? Um, I lost a lot of friends. 
because I couldn't keep up with them um, yeah. and I couldn't go out all the time and I, I need help to go out, all this sort of stuff. So you eventually see your friends disappear. Um, some people don't um, and I still have like a couple of close friends who haven't like kept up going just because their life changes as well. Yeah. Um, I find that you get treated different in society with being in a chair. The one that drives me up the wall the most is when people go, um, oh, poor you and pat you on the shoulder. That mm. that's the one I hate most. Um, I don't like the the sympathy you see from strangers sometimes. Yeah, I think that's one of the the bigger barriers. Yeah. So in in terms of that, if you were sending a message out to people meeting you for the first time, how how would you want them to? Yeah, because I think I think sometimes people do it with the best of intentions. They they're trying yeah. to be nice. They don't, but they they don't realise they're actually being really annoying. So, see the person, not the chair. Yeah, you're still a person, and the the chair is just part of you. But see the person and talk to the person. Still completely, you're still completely normal just because you use a chair yeah. doesn't take that away. One of one of the things I find difficult when I meet people in in a chair is I never know whether like because you're obviously sitting down yeah. and I'm standing up having a conversation I always feel like that's rude but then I don't know whether like bending down to eye level is then condescending what's yeah. your view on that just stay like how you are like I often find people who who kneel down to talk to you quite um I don't I just find it quite rude sometimes yeah. um, just talk normally yeah. Um, the only thing that I find that it's good for people maybe to, to kneel down is if your voice isn't very good and you can't understand somebody if you're a bit further away from them. Yeah. So actually just getting a little bit closer and taking the time to actually listen yeah. for anyone who's got any speech issues is the easiest way to do it. It's just take your time and let somebody speak. Yes. Yeah, no, that's good tips. So that's uh, mental health and chair tips. And finally, ADHD tips. For hand, for handling and managing that. In fact, not finally. We'll come on to another one in a minute. <laughs> um, well, just like being aware of it. So being aware that if you have the hyperactivity part, like burn that energy, like yeah. get rid of it, and it makes it easier for focusing on schoolwork and stuff. Um, with like focusing stuff, having like fidget toys or the chewies or anything like that really helps you because while you're not able to sit still if you can put like that in your hand or whatever and focus on that yeah. while you're trying to learn it, it slows the brain down or that's yeah. what I find anyway it lets you actually concentrate on what you're trying to focus on yeah have you got a chewy gem on at the minute yes I've which, got which one? Oh, one the button anything. yay so, yeah is that your favorite um it's my most recent one right. um, i'd say my favorite are the dog tags right Okay. But they're grey, so they blend in with my t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Okay, and and uh, last bit of tips is if there's somebody feeling that they are a actually male gender or or the opposite, um, what's your advice to them? Get help from somebody. Whether you speak to your GP, get referred to a gender clinic. If you're at school, speak to your guidance teacher, people's sport teacher, whatever. If you can speak to your parents, speak to your parents or friends or whoever. Don't keep it to yourself. Mm -hmm. Actually, the more you talk about it, maybe explore it, the easier it gets. Yeah. And things are things can still be hard nowadays with it, but there's still positives and 
a lot of support out there. Totally. And just um, out of interest, when you first go to a gender clinic, are they, are they, do you have to prove that it's not just a whim? It's like, got, yeah. you know, how, and how do they know that? Well, they've got, they've got set questions and these psychiatrists are specialized in what they do. This is what they do. This is what they're specialized in. So yeah. they've got set questions and they talk to you and they, they kind of know, um, just by experience and everything, but it does feel like you have to prove yourself and you do get asked every question under the sun from like the minute you're born to your sex life, to your, like to the minute you walked in their door, mm-hmm. it's really, um, it is quite difficult, but you see to go into hormone replacement therapy, you have to see two different psychiatrists and they have to agree okay. that you're transgender before they would even consider hormones obviously to make sure that it's the right decision yeah but it does feel like you have to jump through hoops yeah yeah that must be frustrating i can understand why it's there from a safeguarding point of view yeah um because it's it's not something to be taken lightly is it it's got to be you've got to be it's life-altering and it's lifelong yes absolutely so yeah you can understand why they've got to do the checks but i imagine from being in your position where you just know I am a I am a man just get on with it it must be quite frustrating yes (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely okay um well it has been really fascinating talking to you is there anything that we've not covered that you would want to say to anyone no I think that's everything Great. Well, I I think, you know, so many people that I'm speaking to are just so inspirational and you're another one of them. I think, I think it's awesome that, you know, you've, you've been thrown a tough hand, but you've just cracked on with it and okay, you've had your, your dark times, but you're now engaged and you're playing football successfully, which you really enjoy. And you're, you're doing things that will make the world better for everybody. So you should be very proud. It's, it's good. You know, you can get through it. It's just, battling through those hard days yeah absolutely well good on you well it's been lovely to talk to you i'm sure everyone will really enjoy that thank you very much yeah so that was the lovely luke lorraine what did you think amazing i've been waiting to listen to this one because i've been really interested in how wheelchair football works um luke's quite a, a big member in our community posts quite a lot and shares his chewy gems and things so when he first said that he played wheelchair football i was like oh this is interesting so yeah really good to listen to yeah totally i, I couldn't understand how wheelchair football works so it's interesting to to see how it does work and he clearly loves it yeah. um, and just an all-round lovely guy yeah that was really good um what have we got we've got next week we have got b who many of you will know from our weekly Makaton signs um, in the group. And what's interesting about next week's interview is it was recorded a a month or so ago. And at the time, B was nonverbal and unable to communicate. So her mum is on the interview, basically being her voice. Um, And it's a great interview. So you'll only have all... No, no, there is video, but it's her mum being B's voice. Um, So that's next week to look forward to. But what is totally and utterly amazing about that is that since then, she has been busy working away really hard in the background and has now been able to talk, which is just amazing. Um, So I think that we will get B back on in a few months and we can learn from her all about how hard she's worked and how she's done it 
and how life has changed for her since finding her voice. But that aside, next week's really good because there's she's just pretty amazing in terms of her mental positivity and you'll get a lot from that I think yeah anybody who knows B knows you know it's it's definitely worth a watch but um I don't know if you had as much of a conversation with her parents at the weekend about how she's done all of this her mum had I I was busy running in and out and doing the videos but I had a brief chat with her mum and she was saying that it's like it's persistent and every night yeah yeah it's amazing what what they've all done together as a family yeah. So, yes, it would be nice to then follow her up. Absolutely, yeah. So we'll definitely get her booked in to see how she's achieved it all later in the year. Um, so that is really it. The only thing left to be said is we know with the website and the new memberships area, whenever you launch a new website, there's always going to be a few glitches. We have ironed those out. We are good. Um, if you're experiencing any problems, send us a message. We'll fix it. But you shouldn't be. Perhaps before you get in touch, clear your cash because it will be hanging on to old stuff. Um, So give that a go. And if you're still having issues, then get in touch. But you you shouldn't be. We're we're always here to help. And for anyone else out there that listens to the short version of this, then for goodness sake, come and sign up because the membership is just incredible. Absolutely incredible, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So even if you are, because I think a lot of people view the Chewy Gem membership as someone who uses a lot of Chewy Gems and goes through them, there is a non-product option at the seven ninety-five level. So for seven ninety-five pound, um, seven pound ninety-five a month, you can still be part of our community and still benefit from all the amazing discounts we've been sharing, all the members' content, and all the stuff we've been creating. <laughs> Sorry, that's my Sky News. <laughs> I'm going to write on my to-do list now. I am going to. I've got somebody targeted for a testimonial who has signed up for that 7.95 membership, and I'm going to get her to tell us why it's a, a great idea for her. Because I yeah. know her son chews, and he's got loads of chewy gems. But there's a reason why she's gone for the 7.95. So I'm going to try and get some more information from her and then I'll post that on the page. Yes. And the other thing is, if you're a 7.95 member and you maybe use a couple of Chewy Gems a year, it then allows you to buy credits and you can buy credits at less than the product price with free shipping. So it saves you money um, as well as all the other big benefits. So for goodness sake, go sign up. Yeah, and also, if you buy a credit that's cheaper than a product and use your credit to pay, you'll come through as a subscriber to our warehouse team, so you'll also get the free gift whenever you order that month. Yeah, that's Plus, a good it comes point. in pretty packaging, which, you know, everybody likes a bit of pretty packaging. I couldn't yeah. say that to Too many peas. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, okay, we will leave you for this week and we'll chat to you next week when we're talking to B. Have a good See week, you later. everyone. Bye. Bye. You know what?